there, I'm Tonya. And my name is Regan, and this is The Student Sessions. In our fourth series, we look behind the filter, interviewing the newly published authors of our brand new book, The Truth Behind the Filter, who chat to us about how they've been able to overcome setbacks, celebrate their successes, and live life away from behind the filter. We are absolutely delighted to be joined today by one of our newly published authors, Don Brown, who is featured in our book, The Truth Behind the Filter. Hi, Dom. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right today. Thank you. Yeah, chilled? Yeah, no, I, I guess I am. <laughs> so in today's episode of The Shoot Sessions, we're going to be focusing on how to use your lived experiences to help you face and overcome setbacks and challenges. And we're going to hear a bit more about Dom's story later. But over to you, Regan. Thank you very much, Tonya. So uh, just again, thank you so much, Dom, for being here. Um, It's great to see you again. Um, Dom, can you just, before we go on and talk about your story, just tell me and Tonya, but also our listeners, um, a bit about yourself? Uh, Well, I'm going to be turning 20 this week. I'm based in North London, Enfield, Edmonton, to be precise, been there my whole life. Uh, I'm in my second year of university. I study television production and hopefully I'll get into that industry. Amazing. Well, happy birthday to you for later this week. Uh, I hope you celebrate a lot. Um, So going on to your chapter, you talk a lot about, or you put a lot of emphasis on being guided, um, especially by your parents um, and growing up. Have they always been sort of your big supporters? I would say yes. Like they offer me and my sister the chance to take our own opportunities and like look at things a certain way and like make our own decisions. But they're always there to say their input help us make the right decisions. They've been probably one of my biggest supporters. They always want to see stuff I make. So it's always good to have like a family dynamic like that. Mm-hmm. And um, how was it like sort of during your sort of school uh, school uh, career, you know, going growing up and through school, if they like, kind of how, how they helped you through school? I'm, I think I mentioned, definitely mentioned this in the book, but when I was younger, they would help us study if they could. Anything they felt comfortable that they knew, they would sit down and talk to us about. If they didn't, they would try it and look at it with look at it with us. Maybe it's like a math equation. They're not one hundred percent sure. They'll work it through with us. But a lot of it was based around if you're stuck, speak up. Because if you don't speak up, we don't know. And they were very vocal with teachers. Like I know they had a lot of good relationships with teachers. I think when I was in year three, my teacher got married to one of the other teachers at school, and I she gave me a photo album to give to my mum because they had such a good relationship and she wasn't even my teacher she was the teacher from the year before mm-hmm. so I think it's always they've been like very interactive they've tried to make sure me and my sister have been on it and I would say like they just make sure I do the right decisions like I was meant to do art for A-levels because I was meant to do it for GCSEs and I didn't do it for GCSE and everyone in my family was like you're making a bad decision, Dom, but do what you feel like. And my mum always in the back of her head probably wanted me to do that, but she accepts the fact that I want to go down the visual route of film and television instead. And it's not just, you know, your mum and your dad. Uh, another key person you mentioned in your chapter is your twin sister. Um, how has she helped you and how has she supported you? I think she 
it's like I mentioned that she's a confidant and it's basically she is a very vocal person so if you talk to her about stuff she will give you the honest truth of how she depicts it I remember this week I didn't submit something in on time and she looked at me and said you need to learn to just get things done earlier not wait last minute I explained to her my schedule but at the end of the day she's right but she's also she wants to go down to the academic route of teaching so she's always an interesting person if you're stuck on something to pitch it to them because she will tell you what she thinks about it on an academic sense and whether it makes sense and she's she, I feel like most of her friends will say that she's someone that is trustworthy so it's always good to have her around and like pick her brain and allow her to make sure you're doing the right moves because if you can't trust yourself you need someone else you can trust uh, level death like that in the in the book as well you, you said that she's your biggest uh, competitor as well what do you mean by that I feel like when you grow up as a twin or someone whose sibling is in the year above you or roughly is in the same age brackets, kids always go around and try and say, oh, yeah, who's smarter and that or who's more athletic? And to the fact of the matter, both me and my sister are smart, but there are things she's academically more gifted at than me. So it was always a challenge to kind of compete with her, but she's also... That also kind of pushed me to work harder. I think in year eight, we got put in sets for the first time in secondary. And the previous year, we only got put in sets for maths. We were both in the same one. And she got put into the top set for English and I got put in the middle set. And I remember that like, everyone trying to like make fun of me in a way, going like, oh, your sister's smarter than you. And I was like, nah, I ain't let this happen again. And it's, no, it's me being envious of her, but not being mad at her. It's just the fact that everyone's making this a joke. And I'm like, nah, I'm not letting this slide. So it's always good to have someone like around you, whether it's a mate, a cousin, or sibling, just to kind of like put you in perspective that there is always someone out there that could be higher than you, and you need to kind of work to that advantage to make sure you're as good as they are. Definitely, I think it's great to have that kind of uh, someone also to kind of like help pace you as well, and to help you kind of strive to 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 get better. And it's not just your family that have helped you. Having a good friend network is also key. Would you agree, Dom? Definitely. I feel like, first of all, I should have said, oh, shout out to mum, dad and Courtney. I actually forgot to do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's definitely a good friendship group. It's helpful. Shout out to the boys in Enfield like, that I still hang out with now. All of you lot are like my brothers and I do love you lot. So I feel like there was a time last year where we were all, I was definitely clashing with them. A lot of us who went to uni had like issues because it was like a different experience and the rest of them were still coming to uni this year or doing work or the next stage this year so there was kind of like a difference but I feel like there's always that kind of brotherhood and connection you have with these people and I feel like I talk to them try and talk every week most of them talk every day that's like the dynamic you need you need people who give you positive energy and I feel uni my uni experience last year was not the greatest because of COVID isolated me into the one room and I was kind of grateful to the fact that I went to halls and I met loads of new friends that I still talk to now and they kind of keep me in the right element of balance when I'm at uni because there's always someone I can hang out with or talk about like work or just make myself feel calm and that's what I kind of needed. Really great and that's really helped you sort of kind of progress and go through say like school, uh, university, um, but also like has it helped you throughout your sort of like career journey? 
Most definitely. I mentioned in the book the fact that I haven't had a lot of job opportunities and my first paid job, which wasn't through families like helping out on a day, what my consistent job was through one of my friends offering me a job at her site through because she lives near it, um, near the um, this bar and they gave me an opportunity because they were needing of people because of COVID. And I thought that's grateful. A lot of the opportunities I've had to work with my friends in the creative field is also consistent to the fact that I trust them and they know they can trust me because we have a mutual connection where we know each other's abilities and are willing to push each other to the next level. I feel like you can have people around you that are not the best people to be around or they don't care enough about you. Whereas you can have friends that support you and uplift you and try and showcase yourself. When my friends that are like pro footballers or people that are doing creative projects release stuff on their social media, I'm the first to shout them out and say, look at my boy, he's doing good. Or look at my friend, she's actually making something of herself. And I just feel like that makes me more happy to see them shine, even when I'm failing. And that's great, Dom, that you celebrate the success of others. I think that's a a great trait to have. Do you find yourself pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone to get some of these opportunities that you've um, undertaken? I would say yes. Like, most of the times I have to take a risk. I think I started um, getting interested in graphics because I made an attempt to do a graphic logo for one of my projects and it came out successful. So now I know I have an interest in that. I first did my martial art class years before I actually got committed to it because my dad was saying I needed to do a different sport because I didn't want to do football no more. And I was never a footballer, so that was kind of interesting to the fact that there's a time and a place to learn stuff and I wasn't prepared to learn it then. And then a few years later, I just got into it. And I, I love my senses. They were like families to me. I always kind of like try and check into them, even though I can't always go. I feel like you have to be willing to take opportunities. Like I've applied to numerous random gigs or I've spoke to people and networks and um, applied for internships. And I rarely get a few, but the, the ones I get, put into it might be risky because of my schedule but you have to take these opportunities when you can and um looking to pursue a career in the kind of creative industries dom have you what's your experience been around unpaid internships have you do you still feel that this is something quite prevalent uh, or do you have you found that actually most of the opportunities that have come your way have been paid most of which i think were unpaid there have been times where one of my runner gigs I did last year, they, the producer was fairly nice about it because I knew the director through um, him guest lecturing and he brought me on. And she offered to pay, she get paid me for my uh, time because she says when she was in my position, they didn't do it. And she wants to at least have that ability to offer me something because the industry is like that. And I feel like a lot of the times you're grateful to do the runner gigs as soon as possible because I'm doing it in uni just so that when I leave, I have the opportunity to make myself a, a further entry point into the industry. But paid ones are always better because while I'm at uni, I'm taking the risk to stay with my friends in a flat instead of staying at home because I want to be around 
people to have that sense of community still even though I love my family and that I just feel like it's more enjoyable to be around people and by by doing that I'm in a risk where economically I'm always having to worry about money so paid internships are something I know a lot of students will be more interested in because they will put the time and effort in it because they know they will treat it as actual work but it also will give you the opportunity to further yourself way better than just doing a retail or a hospitality job going back to um your sort of uh, early sort of education uh, life, Dom. Um, in your book, you talk about, you know, going through A-levels and wanting to, first of all, do sort of drama. Um, how, what experience was that like? Because it wasn't a, an easy sort of uh, process to take, was it? I think it was hilarious the way I remember it now because... That day, I remember going down. I think my sister went at a different time slot than I was, and it was the day you had to sign up for college. And I remember it because the week before my GCSEs, I didn't. There were some classes I could have done way better in, but I didn't. And I feel like that's me learning the issues I have with time because academically I know what I'm doing, but like writing in the time space I needed to was difficult. So a lot of the subjects I ended up doing were going to be predominantly practical. And I didn't have enough grades for drama. And I feel like on that day, I actually felt like that was the end of the world. That was like, you have those experiences where you want to do something so passionately for someone to tell you no, you're just like, oh, well, this is a different journey. What do I do? And I remember phoning my mum and be like, oh my gosh, what do I do? What do I do? They're not going to let me do drama. Should I do maths? And she goes to me, would you enjoy maths? I'm like, well, I'm good at maths. I don't know about enjoying it. And at the time, they would always tell you when you're applying to A-levels, you shouldn't really do media and film because they're basically the same. And the comparisons is like doing English literature and language. And I said, I'm going to enjoy it more. And she said, do media. And I remember that being down a set of paths that got me opportunities because at my college, I did something called Media Moguls, which was an opportunity they gave media students to how out um, the technicians but you have to apply to these positions so I have loads of people that I worked with then that I still talk to now so shout out to everyone that was on Media Works. but <laughs> they were like technicians I still follow on Instagram it was like a fun experience I just feel like I always have a passion for drama because I am a dramatic person but I feel like my capability to be in front of the camera and behind the camera are quite different I can BNJ, I can do all that. I've done it in my course when I did a multi-camera for university. But I know behind the camera, I can kind of vision, envision stuff and see stuff. And I feel like if I had done drama, that would have been a completely different part. Mm. Like, I feel like if I had done that, I would have been on the route that Michaela Cole went on. And I, I love it. Her, her work is amazing. But I'm on a different path where I know if I want to be like her, I need to like write and try and figure it out. And that's my extra ability now that I can kind of see how audiovisual works. Comparisons where before, I don't think I could ever have done that. A lot of people might, who are listening today, might be sort of facing sort of similar choices of having to choose sort of either like college courses or A-levels or even sort of university degrees and, and sort of courses like that. Um, and might be really struggling with kind of deciding what to pick. Uh, what advice would you give them? 
I would say just look at it at a different angle. You have to realise there are some people that believe everything is set, everything is the way it's meant to be, and there's other people that kind of feel like decisions are optimal. Like, the experiences you have are made by the choices you give. I kind of feel like there's like this multiverse theory where you could go do this one thing, but there could be another choice that you made that would have took you down a different path. All you have to kind of do is take the risk to figure out what you what do you want to do at this present moment and just deal with it. There's always opportunities to try and divert back there, but you'd have a different extreme point to this decision. I feel if you can't do an opportunity, try and find a way. If you wanted to do drama, I can't do it. Go to acting classes on the side. If you want to do dance, but you're not prepared enough because you're experienced, join a dance class where you do something else. If you want to do maths and are 100% sure you're not ready to do this, or you know you want to just go into an apprenticeship role, do your A-levels and just go to an apprenticeship role. There are various decisions. I have made that have literally started uni with me at different unis and decided that it's not for them. And I've said to them, you've made a bold decision. I don't know if I could do that, but I respect it because I know I have another year left and my industry is completely different to theirs. Theirs is academic. Mine is creative. I know the networks I make are the networks I make. I know I want to stay an extra year to build strong connections with these people so that when I leave, I got someone at the back of my hand saying, yo, Dom, do you want to help me out something? Take that opportunity straight away. Mm-hmm. But I would just stay level-headed and think it through. You have... If you have people around you, console them, allow them to make you see what you think. They can tell you a completely different idea or the idea that you most find interesting. But at the end of the day, clarity will be formed. And if you don't, just believe in your gut and just figure out what you actually want. You really allowed yourself today uh, to be really vulnerable with us by sharing your story. Uh, And by listening to sort of the things that you talked about, uh, it's also kind of shows that you've been quite affectionate as well towards other people and celebrating them and things like that. Why do you think that we as sort of males typically find it difficult to be vulnerable? I feel like more people, it's not accepted in society as much. And a lot of people just like to keep their cards close to their chest. I feel out of experience and what a lot of people say to me, nothing can be resolved if you don't say anything. I've had recent had recently I've had chats with my uncle, shout out to you. Um chats with like my aunties, my godmothers, my parents, a few of my mates. And a lot of the things they said to me when I tell them is like, well, Dom, we don't know because we can't read minds. What do you expect to happen if you keep it close to you? And I kind of say, I'm understanding that factor. I've had economic problems with my flatmates, but we're going to, we know how to resolve it now. We're understanding it. And we've only had this conversation this week. And I feel that it's just understanding what you do, you know, and then you can figure it out. I do feel like, Recently, sharing a flat with uh, Shout to Taylor, Shout to Cam, but sharing a flat with them, I understand vulnerability better because they've accepted the fact to trust me with information. And I, I'm honoured that they do it because I can understand how they're feeling in such situations and work around that. Do you think it's, uh, this might be a bit like a perception out there that vulnerability is a sign of weakness? Do you think it's a sign of weakness? Not entirely. It can be a strength. If you're vulnerable with someone, you allow them to understand you and connect better with you. If you're vulnerable with 
someone in a friendship or a romantic relationship or familiar relationship, they can help you with a situation you need. I feel if you're not allowing yourself to be open with others, you're not allowing them to see the full version of yourself. And that's where it becomes a weakness. If you can't be open with someone and tell them, right, I'm not happy with the way you treat me here, they're going to keep treating you that same way. Dom? Yeah. You're a published author. Oh, cool. Yeah. Congratulations. How do you feel about that? I don't know. Like, a lot of people get saying it to me when I upload it, like, oh my gosh, you're an author now. Like, we live with an author. We're mixed with an author. And I'm kind of like, yeah. Because I've had to hide it for like that last couple of months when I wrote it. So I kept saying to people that it was weird for a while, years ago, I kept saying to them, this will go in my book. Well, this will go in my TV show. It's fine. I'm definitely going to write a book one day. And then I was like, remember when I said I was going to write a book? Right, I wrote a chapter in a book and everyone was like, no, you're lying. What do you mean? I'm like, no, it'll come out in March, but don't worry. Well, you've had really positive um, reactions then from family and friends by the sounds of it. Oh, 100%. I think a lot of my family knew I could do stuff. I don't think anybody knew I could write like that. So they were kind of like, your writing's way better now. And I'm like, I don't know if I should say thank you or like, that's messed up to say, but okay. Well, it's really great to have had you involved um, and particularly, you know, to share your vulnerabilities as a male. I think that's really inspiring. So if you do need an agent or two, Regan and I are offering our services out so we can... uh, book you in for any bookings that you might receive Dom now that you're going to be a global sensation so do remember us won't you no definitely that would be good and it'd be really great if you could um now just sort of share to our audience um a bit of your chapter so this is I think my fourth paragraph is basically focusing on like who you're with and like how to take opportunities so I'm starting now furthermore you need to consider the driver of the car you are a passenger in one of my favorite phrases is you have to watch who you're eating with and eating at your table as you never know who could be a Judas nonetheless you always have to consider what table you're seating at and what's being offered are you at the last supper or the first snack both can look the same yet it's the idea that an opportunity can take any shape form or size you have to be grateful for both the major gains and the minor setbacks because both provide experiences to teach you something new about yourself brilliant thank you so much dom um for sharing that with us today but why did you decide to share your story to to the world basically and why now well, firstly, it's obviously because of YouTube, because I worked on the uh, university. My university did a podcast with you, and I felt kind of honoured that you, because I know you picked a few of us to do it. So I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. Like, it's an opportunity. Let me just take the risk. If I can't complete it, I can't complete it. You know? Might as well try it. And then I feel like I always get put in schemes such as, like, I've been in a mentoring scheme. And I shout out to my mentor, Edward Barlow. We had a chat recently. He's excited to read this. But um, I was saying to him, I don't think I utilised a lot of the stuff, the networks and all the stuff I've had. I've been to events where I've met a few kind of famous presenters and I still didn't like have Instagram back then. I still haven't spoken to them and asked for advice and I kind of regret it. And I felt like this will be an opportunity for me to kind of 
get myself into the industry, even if it's like a book industry, to get myself out there and start slowly to build around the pieces. I'm chatting to a few of my mates now and we're trying to set up a kind of like production-based company to activate portfolios for creative individuals. And I feel like it's the slow steps that need to be built. Thank you so much again for sharing uh, your little paragraph today. Um, And hopefully people, when they read uh, your whole chapter, will feel as motivated and inspired as uh, I am today. Uh, Just hearing you today, just talking about sort of getting any sort of opportunity you can and making most of all the networks you've got, family, friends, university, mentors, and things like that, uh, is really, really great. So thank you so much for, for coming on today as well. It's been absolutely amazing. Completely agree with what Regan said, Dominic. Congratulations on being a published author. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Student Sessions. And you are a real inspiration. And I would advise anyone who's listening to this to Number one, obviously, go and buy the book, Truth Behind the Filter, um, and read Dom's story. Um, But thanks, Dom, for being such a star. No way. Thank you for having me. And to our listeners, do join us again on the student sessions. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on socials. Just search TG Consulting on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn covering an incredibly diverse variety of themes from mental health to discrimination, imposter syndrome to student parenthood, the truth behind the filter offers 50 unique and inspirational stories detailing the various barriers our authors have overcome. You can find it in WH Smith, Waterstones and other great bookstores worldwide. You can also find it online at these places and on Amazon. Just search the truth behind the filter to feel inspired now.